On today's show, I'm going to rebuild the New York Mets bullpen through free agency. You are Locked On Mets, your daily New York Mets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello to all you amazing Mets fans. You're listening to Locked On Mets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Mets your first listen every day. Locked On Mets is free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. On the show today, I'm going to build at a bullpen through free agency in the first segment. We'll break down where the bullpen went wrong this past season, what's left over, and how much needs to be added to it as well as some names I would stay away from in free agency. And then in the second segment, I'll get to my top free agent targets that I think would really make this bullpen great for the next season. Uh, then in the final segment, we'll look at some fallback options if those first top-tier options don't come through. Before we get to any of it, though, I'm your host, Ryan Finkelstein. If you want to find any of my work, follow me on X at Finkelstein Ryan. You can also find some of my writing at JustBaseball.com, where I work as the managing editor. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started. And the New York Mets bullpen was not good last season. They lost Edwin Diaz in the World Baseball Classic and felt like everything cratered from there. They were always just an arm short. David Robertson was amazing filling in for Edwin Diaz. But then you were short that late innings reliever that could put out all the fires that David Robertson would have been had Edwin Diaz been in his typical closer role. So how do the Mets fix this? For one, you feel pretty confident that they took the biggest step already to fixing their bullpen. That's when they hired David Stern to be the president of baseball operations. The Brewers were always good at fielding a bullpen and a lot of times good at finding those relievers that you know you were maybe in the, the bargain bin a little bit. And so I think he's going to bring that to the table here and hopefully be a lot better at that than Billy Upper was. Because you look at what the Mets did last offseason to their bullpen. They re-signed Adam Adovino. They signed David Robertson. That was the big one. They traded for Brooks Raley. Now, you look at those three moves on the surface, and they were actually pretty solid. But on top of that, instead of getting another arm they could really trust, they went for optionality. That was the big no talking point. They got relievers that could be sent down. They could come up. Guys like Jeff Brigham, who they thought had upside, who you know when called on from Syracuse would be able to perform, and it just didn't work out. How many relievers do the New York Mets have to get this offseason? Again, last year, if you think about Adam Montevino that was technically walking out the door, they added three, right? They Well, I guess Edwin Diaz, too. They brought Diaz and Adovino back. Brooks Raley was one of the big additions to the trade. And then David Robertson was the big free agent sign that wasn't on the team the year prior. So let's start with where they're at. Edwin Diaz comes back. Massive victory. You lose Adam Adovino. You traded David Robertson. But to me, having Edwin Diaz back, that solves so many problems. Brooks Raley comes back on the club option. That's all I look at right now. And I say those guys are, are written in pen in the bullpen from there. It could be any other name. 
honestly. There, there's other names on the roster, but none that I have set in stone. So we'll get to the guys that could be non-tendered tomorrow. Non-tendered deadline is Friday. That will be tomorrow's show. Who's going to get cut? Here's a list of guys that don't have options. Drew Smith, Trevor Gott, Sam Coonrod, Phil Bickford. Are the Mets going to keep all four of those guys? They're all in the, I think, I'm not sure if they're all in the final year of arbitration. Bickford's not. Drew Smith and Trevor Gott, I believe, are. Coonrod, I don't think he is. But Coonrod and Bickford were guys you picked up off waivers, if I'm not mistaken. I know Bickford for sure. I think Coonrod as well in the second half of the season. So you can see those guys taken off the roster. You could see Drew Smith or Trevor got taken off the roster. My guess is at least half of them make it. And I'll spend more time on tomorrow's show trying to predict that. But let's just say that two of them survive for now. You go into free agency with four relievers that have no optionality on your roster. So that would leave four spots, theoretically. Other arms that could factor into the mix internally. You got Jeff Brigham still on the roster right now. And from what I gather from Fangrass, he has one option left. Reed Garrett has one option left, also still on the roster. Either of those guys could be non-tendered as well. Then you have Josh Walker and Grant Hartwig. These are two relievers that have full optionality, right? They, they just made their debuts this past season. They'll keep them on the 40. They'll probably start the season in Syracuse. Good depth, honestly, because I, I liked what I saw in spurts for both of those guys. But you're not thinking about them in your opening day bullpen. You're not thinking about them as guys that are hopefully ever going to pitch and leverage this upcoming season. So how do you get that bridge to Edwin Diaz? You, you want at least two, but really, ideally, you'd have three, maybe four options that you could trust in those late innings. And for now, it's really just Brooks Raley. I can't go into the next season and think highly of Drew Smith or Trevor Gott that they're going to be late inning relievers. Do they each have that level of upside? Absolutely. But they didn't show it enough this past season. So what the Mets need to add to me is at least three legit arms in free agency. I don't want guys with optionality. I want three bullpen signings that I look at and say they will help the Mets. They will be in the major league bullpen all year if they're healthy, and they will push you a lot closer to contention. So before we get into the candidates that I really like that the Mets should go after, I want to lop off some big names that you might be thinking about as you were heading into listening to this show when it comes to a bullpen episode. The first one I think should be obvious. Josh Hader. Don't see it happening. He pitched to a 1-2-8 ERA. He has been one of, if not the best reliever in baseball across his career at this point. And he's probably going to top the $102 million that Edwin Diaz got. He might even get a six-year, which would add even more to, to the, the plate. I wouldn't even be shocked if he broached $120 million or at least cleared way past one hundred and ten. So I don't see two relievers at that price point on one roster. So Josh Hader, don't expect it. Hector Norris, he had a one seven one ERA with the Astros this past season. He's 34 years old. Last time he signed a deal with them, it was a two-year deal with a mutual option. I think he pushes for a three-year deal even at his age, and I just don't want any part of that, paying for a guy coming off his incredible season, particularly when he ended up getting lit up in the playoffs anyway. Craig Kimbrell, great season this past year. 3.26 ERA, 94 strikeouts, and 69 innings pitched. Saved 23 games for the Phillies. 
He's 35 years old. We've seen regression in the past. And I think he might even push for a multi-year deal. So I'd stay away. I rolled this Chapman. If you watch him pitch in the playoffs, I don't need to describe at all why the Mets should stay away from him. He, while the Rangers needed him and, you know, they basically had a three-man bullpen throughout that playoff run. But if it wasn't for LeClerc taking Chapman's closer job, they don't win a World Series. And it felt like he was the guy that, even though he was pitching a lot of things in the playoffs, they couldn't trust him. And there was multiple times where LeClerc came in to bail him out. So to me, not to mention, there's the whole fact that I don't think he's a good person, that I wouldn't want the Mets to sign him anyway. But on top of that, that, that you know, component that I hope the Mets would consider. There's the fact that despite what the stats might tell you, and I didn't pull any stats because I didn't care in the moments that mattered. I just don't trust that guy. So I think that's one you stay away from, but three or four relievers, the Mets should absolutely be all in on. We're going to get to my tier one targets next. Before we do though, today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Score this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets when winning any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. If you're thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. There's so much sports going on right now. You got the NFL, college football. You have the NBA season with their in-season tournament. Those games have been a lot of fun. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options that include the spread, player props, over-unders, and more. I can even look at you know where like Juan Soto is going to land. You know, look at some MLB action still as well. If you want to play today, go to fanduel.com slash locked on. Remember, winning $5 money line bet $150 in bonus bets to kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Locked On has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today is here for your 24-7 coverage on the top stories of the day with local experts of Locked On, plus our national shows covering every league. Go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. Now, let's get into... Some relievers I really want the Mets to pursue in free agency. The first one is a familiar face, David Robertson. When the Mets signed him last year, I was so excited. I I was in on David Robertson early in the 2022 season where I saw him bounce back from his injury in Chicago, and I was saying, go out, get Wilson Contreras and David Robertson a trade. And if you can't get Contreras, fine. Just get David Robertson, the perfect finishing piece to that Mets team in 2022. The Phillies ended up getting him and he helped them get to the World Series. Mets sign him, pair him with Edwin Diaz. I thought this is perfect. They got the exact right guy can pitch in the eighth inning, a guy that can close when Edwin Diaz is gone, maybe in back to back nights. It's perfect. Edwin goes down. I want to see it. I want to see what it looks like with those two guys together. He pitched to a 205 ERA 
converted 14 saves for the Mets. His final season ERA was just over three because he really struggled in Miami, but I wouldn't worry about that. I wouldn't worry about his age. I think he really likes living in New York, and he was really upset with the situation. I don't know if he was upset with the Mets when he got traded to the Marlins. In some respects, sure. I think he understood that in the position the Mets were in, that's what happens. And I think a way that would probably calm his apprehension to go back to the Mets when they're maybe not a clear winner this upcoming season, and that is a risk, again, that he could get sold at the deadline, is you give him at least a 10-team no-trade clause and you put the Marlins on that list so he never has to pitch in Miami again. Honestly, I didn't even give him a full no-trade clause. Say, listen, you know, or a handshake agreement, whatever it is. Say, you know, we're not going to trade you. Uh, unless you want to be dealt, you're going to have that power. Um, we want you back. I would do that for him because you already got your prospects for him to trade him two years in a row would be pretty cold hearted anyway. But I, I just think he showed what he could do in a Mets uniform. I'd love to see him back. Now we're going to stay in the old train here. Brent Suter. I've called my shot on this on multiple podcasts in the past when I did an episode about the Brewers and what former Brewers could join uh, the Mets, which I think I had Craig Council coming here at that stage of the offseason. Uh, you know, Suter was one that I guarantee would be on the Mets, and I'm still standing by it until he signs with another team. His career 349 ERA this past season in Colorado, he had a 338 ERA in 69 and a third innings pitch. A guy who is frequently used in multiple inning stints gets a ton of weak contact. The reason why I love Brent Suter, he, he's a man for my heart here. 100th percentile in average exit velocity. That means guys don't hit him hard at all. He's the best in the league at that specific statistic, average exit velo, while being in the first percentile in fastball velocity. He throws it slower than anyone, and they they don't hit it uh, hard at all. And the reason why I love that is because that's how I pitched when I was back in my travel ball days. You don't know how many times, and even going into high school, where I'd warm up and – I mean, it was like three guys were standing on deck that were so excited to face me because I, I wasn't throwing it hard. But I had a good fastball. I had a good changeup. I located my pitches. And, man, did they get frustrated when they grounded out. So <laughs> to see a guy who does that at the big league level, who's not throwing over 90, who's just pitching out there, and he's a lefty, which I was not. Uh, but you know, I, I love what he does. He, guys don't chase. He doesn't get whiffs. He doesn't get strikeouts. But he's elite at avoiding barrels, at not getting hit hard, 97th percentile in barrel percentage, 99th percentile in hard hit percentage, gets his ground balls, and he's a Harvard grad like Stearns. Something just tells me these guys have a great relationship. That's no sourcing. That's just they seem like the type of guys that would get along, and they were together for years in Milwaukee. Basically, uh, the entire career for Suter was pitching for Stearns. So I just think it's a match made in heaven. You'll have Raylian Stearns as your lefties in the bullpen. Not that um, Raylian Stearns, excuse me, Raylian Suter as the lefties in your bullpen. Uh, you know, Suter doesn't have these splits where he gets he's better at getting lefties out. That's more Rayleigh's job. Rayleigh would be your lefty specialist. Suter's just another guy that throws from that side that you could uh, you know go to for four outs, five outs, six outs. But I would really like him, not necessarily as a leverage pitcher, but as a guy that you just trust to give you innings, and that's important. Now we get to 
the two guys that would probably entice fans the most when they watch him pitch. Because these are guys that have high octane stuff. Ronaldo Lopez and Jordan Hicks. These are the two guys that I think a lot of teams have circled and they might get paid and they might get paid on multi-year deals. And these are the two relievers I'm comfortable seeing the Mets give multi-year deals to. For Lopez, he had a very interesting season, a 4-2-9 ERA with the White Sox in 42 innings. He gets traded with Lucas Giolito at the deadline uh, to the Angels, pitches to a 2-7-7 ERA in 13 innings, and then he's put on waivers because the Angels were bad. They were trying to save money. So he ends up get, getting you know shipped with Giolito again because it was this incredible package, right? Who's going to claim them? The Guardians did, and they got Giolito. They got Lopez. Didn't work out for them, but Lopez was great. Did not allow a run. 11 innings pitch for the season. He struck out just over 11 batters per nine did have some issues with walks, but a great fastball, very good slider. He'll mix in the occasional change up in the curve, but really it's a two pitch mix, which is what you see for, for most relievers. And I don't think he'll come as expensive as Jordan Hicks. So I, I like Jordan Hicks more, but I'm very happy if the Mets end up with this off season where they get Robertson Suter, and Lopez to pair with Diaz and Rayleigh, I feel great about the Mets bullpen if that's what they ended up pulling off. Jordan Hicks would be even better, though. Jordan Hicks, to pair him with Edwin Diaz would be nasty. I mean, this is a guy that throws harder than anybody in the game. He's averaging over 100. He throws a sinker um, you know, most of the time, about 65% of the time. It's just you know 101 mile-per-hour sinkers that are impossible to hit. He mixes in a sweeper 20% of the time. They had a whiff percentage of nearly 60% this year, so that's a nasty pitch. Um, and he also has a, a four-seam fastball that'll throw about 10.7% of the time this past season that got more whiffs than the sinker, so maybe when they're expecting that sinker, they're expecting some break on it, he'll throw them a, a more straight, uh, hard fastball that they can't hit. You know, He had a 3-2-90 area this past season. Um, in Toronto, after he got dealt there from the Cardinals, ERA got shaved to 2.63. His strikeouts ended up going down, but his walks went down a lot too, as well as the hits that he allowed. His whip went from 1.52 in St. Louis to 1.083 in Toronto. Whip, if you're not familiar, is walks and hits over innings pitch. So he was you know, about a base runner uh, per inning there with uh, the Blue Jets, which is really solid. And he's a good pitcher, and, and he's a pitcher that has immense upside. And that's why he probably gets overpaid in free agency. And I don't think it's necessarily a realistic target because I think when Josh Hader falls off the board, some team that's about to pay Josh Hader a ton of money might pony up on Hicks. And I would hate for the Mets to overpay Hicks because there's some injury risk there, some inconsistency in his past as far as he hasn't always been lights out. I think Lopez is, is some way a safer pick, but if if the cost ends up being similar to me, I mean, you go for the higher upside in Jordan Hicks. Now, those are the four top targets I like to the Mets go after. If they could get three of them, I'd be on cloud nine. In particular, I think it'd be one of those last two because I think those, those last two of Lopez and Hicks are, are going to get paid pretty well. Robertson, he's going to get paid a nice chunk of change, but probably on another one-year deal. You could repeat that $10 million contract. Suter, there's a chance that years might be attractive to him at an affordable price point. It's not like he's going to get uh, an immense contract in free agency. So, hey, if he wants two years and it's a reasonable number, I, I would be all for it because the guy's been pretty dependable uh, throughout his career. 
Anyway, I got four more potential targets for the Mets to go after in free agency. Uh, these are more of my fallback options. We'll get to them next. First, though, another word from our sponsors. Now, it was around 5 o'clock tonight when I was thinking about the show today, and I said, what am I going to talk about? And you know what I did? I reached out to my Locked On Mets insiders, and I asked them, what do you want me to talk about? And I had multiple uh, texts back saying, hey, I'm curious about what the Mets are going to do in the bullpen, and that's where I ended up taking the show today. I have other topics that came uh, through subtext through the Locked On Mets insiders that will be on deck for future shows so if you want to become a Locked On Mets insider, to be in the loop on discussions like that, all you have to do is find the link in the episode description or go to subtext.com slash Locked On Mets. This is a texting service where you get updates from me about the show, about the Mets, about a hot take I have. You can also text me back, um, give your own two cents on everything. So again, find the link in the episode description. Now let's look at the last remaining relievers I believe the Mets should target in free agency. And the first one is Joe Kelly. 35 years old, 4-1-2 ERA this past season, but it was a tale of two seasons. With the White Sox, it was a 4-9-7 ERA. With the Dodgers, it was a 1-7-4 ERA with 19 strikeouts and 10 and a third innings pitch. The guy still has ridiculous stuff. He throws the ball so hard still. Uh, he's polarizing. That's because he's kind of an asshole on the mound. Uh, sorry, jerk on the mound. Um, but yeah, I mean, hitters hate him. He, he, he's... He's got the glasses. He's going to stare you down. He's probably going to talk at a school a time or two, but he also brings something that I think a bullpen needs. So I, I like Joe Kelly. I, I wouldn't want him over Lopez. I wouldn't want him over Jordan Hicks. I wouldn't want him over David Robertson. When it comes to high leverage, I would want him over Brent Suter, but I think they'd fill different roles in a Mets bullpen. I, if you end up striking out on Lopez, and, and Hicks, and it ends up being a, a bunch of old guys coming to the Mets bullpen, I'd be okay with it because if it's Robertson and Kelly helping the back end of your pen with Suter as a guy that can really give you that length, and you still have Diaz and Rayleigh, I, I feel like the Mets would have a very competent bullpen. And you know, maybe you, you hit on some of those under-the-radar uh, you know, additions that you might claim a guy on waivers or you make a, a minor league trade, whatever it is. Maybe Stearns can find some diamonds in the rough that will build it out even further. So I, I like Kelly. I, I think he's a good fit. Another one, Michael Fulmer. Familiar name for any of you uh, Mets fans that follow prospects or remember a certain trade back in 2015 that netted the Mets. You went a Cespedes for top pitching prospect at the time, Michael Fulmer, who went on to win the Rookie of the Year in 2016 with the Tigers. He's now been converted to a reliever. He had a 2.97 ERA in 2021 and nearly 70 innings pitch. 2022, a little over 60 innings pitch, 3.39 ERA. This year in Chicago, struggled a little bit, 4.42 ERA in 57 innings. He'll turn 31 in March. I've always just imagined, you know, what would Fulmer look like back in a Mets uniform? And it's been years now where I've kind of thrown out this idea. This might be the offseason. Look, it wasn't the best year, but sometimes that's good for a reliever because that means a better season's coming. He struck out over 10 batters per nine for the first time in his career this past season, so the stuff's still there. He introduced a sweeper into his arsenal, 
which had a whiff percentage of 48.1%. So it was nasty. Batters hit just 183 against it. Threw it a little over 30% of the time. Problem, he had a fastball. He threw a little bit less than 30% of the time. That was crushed. Hit 320 against the fastball. Opposing batters did. Now, over in 2022, he threw a cutter over 60% of the time. He was just, just ripping cutters nonstop. This year, he went away from the pitch. Still threw it, but not at that rate. So I do wonder, you know, could you tweak the arsenal? Could he become cutter sweeper? Um, was the cutter or was the sweeper a variation of his cutter? And, and that's why it was a limit a little bit. But it, it still shows a cutter in his Savant page for, for pitches that he threw. I think Fulmer would be a guy that could pop for you. So, you know, I don't know how much I, I trust him in leverage compared to a guy like Joe Kelly that has more of a track record. But again, if you end up with David Robertson, Brent Suter, and, and Michael Fulmer, you're at least getting some established relievers um, that I think could do a lot for you. All right, then we get to another one here, Jacob Junis. He's my Brent Suter alternate, okay, because he's a guy that can give you multiple innings. Coming off a career year for him, 387 ERA, former starter. Again, still gets length, though, out of a bullpen for the Giants. He was used in 40 games but pitched 86 innings. So that shows you um, the length that he gave. Uh, I think he had four starts. Imagine those were the beginning of bullpen games. But struck out over 10 batters per nine for the first time in his career, similar to Fulmer. Um, he's 31 years old, so I wouldn't mind him on a multi-year deal. Um, but only if the cost wasn't that high, you know, if he gets overpaid based on this really good season, I'd be a little more apprehensive to give him more than a year. I think I'd prefer to overpay him on a one-year deal. Well, I certainly would prefer to overpay him on a one-year deal than a two-year deal. But even then, I think I'd almost rather you know, give him like one year, 6 million over like two years, 9 million, if that makes sense. Right. I, I'm not sure he's going to keep this up. He has a career four, six, four year, right. But it was a really good season. Um, and, you know, I, I think he could add something to the Mets pen for sure. Last name here, Shintaro Fujinami. Look, this is not a guy you're going to pay money to. Like, if he is going to get paid in free agency, you probably stay away. Um, you certainly don't give him more than a year. But he's got ridiculous stuff. Didn't result in anything good this year. Zero was over seven. Now, a lot of that came from him being awful in Oakland. He was a little more respectable when he ended up on the Orioles, 4.85 ERA, but still not good. Still walks too many, gave up a ton of hits, but he averages over 98 miles per hour on his fastball. He's got a good split finger and a good cutter. Both had whiff percentages over 37%. So he gets swing and miss there. He's a guy that you'd have to just sort of develop. You know, and he's, I think he's 30, 31. Um, but you know, was making the transition to the big leagues this past season. Maybe it's better in year two. I, I would not love it as he's one of the three. If he's the fourth guy you add in free agency, if you get three of the names I've mentioned today, and then you get Fujinami as this sort of, you know, lottery ticket, I think I'd be pretty comfortable with that. Um, if you, if you're selling me on him as a set man to Edwin Diaz, I'd be pretty concerned about the Mets offseason. Anyway, that's going to be all for today's edition of Locked on Mets. As I mentioned, tomorrow's show, uh, it's the non-tender deadline on Friday. So to get you ready for it, I'm going to sort of prep, you know, who could uh, be cut in that scenario, which, you know, will be interesting because as you listen to it, depending on the time, 
you'll probably get some confirmation as to if I was right or wrong on some of those names. In the morning, though, it'll be a good primer uh, for what will unfold later that day. So make sure you follow, rate, and review wherever you get your podcast. Subscribe if you're watching on YouTube. We're trying to get to 10,000 subs, so appreciate all of you with that subscribe. If you want to be a Locked On Mets insider, again, you can find that in the episode description. And check out the first ever national 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Again, that's Locked On Sports Today. It's here for you with 24-7 coverage on everything in sports, the top stories of the day with local experts of Locked On, plus national shows covering every league. Go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever 24-7 sports streaming channel on YouTube.